previously on Hebrew Hits. At what age did you start sensing that there was something off? That like there was a war? Did you ever, did it just happen? Like, tell me how that, how like, how did you find out? Like what was going on? You're listening to Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia, and I'm so excited that you're tuning in to this show because that means that you want to succeed in life and you do not want to fail. Many of us go through such difficult challenges in life, and it's up to us not to fall victim to them. It's up to us to rise above it and to succeed. I sit down with people who have gone through real big struggles and show that they overcame them and are super successful today. It's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. Hebrew Hits is presented by TMC. You're listening to Nana's mini-series, episode two. I'm your host, Malia, and here is Escaping from Burma. Well, in school, the teacher talked about it and wanted to know like how our feelings were, that uh, even though we were safe or we were anything, there's still outside the family, there are people who don't like one another. And, you know, times are not as we think, that's hunky-dory and nobody is going to hurt us. Just to be careful. So you're saying that the war started and it didn't affect you until a few years later? Right. That's correct. So how old were you when the war actually started? Not that if it had started in, what, 1939? Yeah, maybe, you know, a little bit before 1939, there was beginning to be, like, a disagreement here, a disagreement there. But by 1939, Hitler was already on his way to, to France, and he wanted... He told the Japanese people who were in league with with uh, Hitler that if there's any uh, Jewish people to put them in a concentration camp, and the Japanese people said they won't do that. Nana, I'm going to now bring my mom on to this interview as well to ask some questions. Mom, welcome to the show. Hi, Malia. Thanks. I'm so happy to join your discussion. It's very exciting to be on it. Um, and to be with my mom, too. It's it's cute. So, Mom, you were just saying now, not on the air, but you were saying about Germany and how Germany wanted to take over the whole world, which was true. But Germany wasn't, wasn't the one that infiltrated Asia. That was Japan. I thought Japan was what everybody had to worry about in Burma. But that's true, because in Asia, the Japanese were very strong. And it didn't concern the Germans, but they were giving orders to the Japanese to round up all the Jews and to put them like in concentration camp. And the Japanese said they wouldn't do that because they had a high regard for the Jews. So, Mom, how old were you when Grandma decided to that you had to leave Burma and go to India? Well, the war was in 19... About 45, maybe started a little bit earlier, but in 45, I would have been about 15 years old. I was born in 1930. So from 45 and 30, it's 15. I would be about 15 years old. So Nana, thinking about, you know, you speaking to me in English and you're fluent in English right now, did you 
ever imagine growing up that you were going to live in America? That was one of my dreams, to always go to America. Yes, when we were in India, we all said one day, God willing, you will aim to go to America. It was everybody's dream to come to America. You hear America is like a fascinating country, unlike anything else. So we all dreamt, like, believed that one day we will go there. So Nana, now that you're in America, now looking back at Burma, can you talk to me about the beginning stages of the war? Where were you guys? Were you rushed out of your house? Did you have to move? Did you have to hide in a bunker? What was it like at the beginning of the war? Well, the first day, it was something that, you know, you you see the airplane coming and then you hear a boom. So you know that something is not normal. And I was so afraid that I even left my house and I went down to one of the people who had a, a shop on the ground floor because we lived on top of a, a gasoline station and God forbid if the bomb fell there, then the whole thing would have blown up. So I, I don't know if I even told my mother I'm going down there to that person's uh, uh, workplace because that's a Jewish place and they could easily find me. So that's where I went. I was so scared of, of the bombs falling, you know, the sound of the bombs. So mom, how long were those bombs falling before you escaped to India? Well, as soon as it fell, I went to that person's shop. There was a Jewish man who owned the shop and I went there. And then the family came there a little bit later. We knew we couldn't stay where a house was because of we were on top of a gasoline station. So we figured we would go at least 10 miles out of the city so that maybe we will escape the bombing. And that's what we did. We knew somebody who lived <clears throat> 10 miles from the city who told us that we could come there at any time. So we figured we would go there for the time being to see how the, how the events turned out. So Nana, talking to you growing up as a kid, you would tell me how you used to hide in a bunker. So what was the timeline now that the bombs were falling? At this time, you were running to hide in the bunkers? Tell me about that. Well, we were always told that there was a place that, and in, in case the siren went on that the Japanese were on or whoever the enemy is, that we had to go into the bunker and we had no boo or ba. We just had to go and jump into the, I'll call it a bunker, I don't know what else to call it, it's supposed to be a safety place. And till the time the all, all clear went, we had to stay there. Was it underground? No. No. So why was it more safe than a regular house? Because the regular house, the roof could fall on you. Whereas over here, there was nothing on top of you. You know, you didn't have to worry for that. And in the bunker, was there any food? Was there a bathroom? Like, was it a, was it a nice place to be? Or every time you went to the bunker, it was uncomfortable? You, no. If we wanted to go to the bathroom... And if it was, we couldn't get to the house, we, I had to say, did it on the, you know, in the bushes. Food, that day we were there, our food was cooking on the 
flame and we were out. And I believe that all the food was burnt by the time we got to it. So Nana, what was the longest time you ever stayed in the bunker for? It wasn't a very long time because the British, they couldn't contact, uh, how to say, deal with the British. The British took no ifs or buts. They cannot afford to have Burma be taken because Burma had oil, and that would give the Japanese more time to fight. Without oil, if they were deprived of oil, they couldn't go forward. They needed the oil. It was very expensive, unobtainable. So if we tried to prevent them from getting the oil, the sooner we did that, the sooner they would give up. So, Mom, would you say you were in that bunker for like two hours or like 10 hours? No, I'd say even maybe like 40 minutes. 40 minutes, maybe, before the all clear goes. Was that 40 minutes? Not always. Not always. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Oh, so you're saying that it happened a f- a many times, just each time was a short time until the Japs, the plane left, the plane flew over Rangoon and then left and it was all clear. Which plane flew over Rangoon? You said that you went into the bunker when the sirens sounded because they saw planes, Japanese planes, flying over Rangoon. Oh, yeah, because we went there to jump into the, into the we call it the bulk, bunker, I don't know what we can call it. You know, it's like the dugout thing for safety, to take care of it, take care of ourselves. A lot of people could fit in what, it was a room or it was just like something that soldiers used? Well, in time of war, I think they would use it. But when I say a bunker, it's not a bunker. It's just you go out on the, in the yard and a thing, the earth was scooped, scooped out so we could just go jump into the scooped place for protection. So Yaakov, come ask Nana a question. I know that you're listening to this podcast live, so come and come and ask, come and join. Hey Nana, I heard that you were in these trenches. Um, do you have any interesting stories about what, what you did in the trenches? How you spent the time there? How long you were there for? And when did you get out? We stayed in the trenches till the all clear went, and everything was all right. Depended how long it was, twenty, forty minutes, one hour. As long as the, we didn't have the all clear, we stayed in the trenches. Well, that's really cool, Nana. But how many times did you actually go into the trenches? As many times as the siren goes on, then we know the Japanese are overboard in the air. Wow. So you went into the trenches and out of the trenches many times? Yeah. If it, if it warrants it. You know, we had to stay there. We can't stay in the in the place that we live in because we stayed on top of a oil depot. So my mom, who was very smart, first thing said, we have to get out of this place. We don't want to be there, God forbid, should a bomb fall on that place. Like none of us would survive. She said, we can be anywhere but there. So, Nana, how much time did you remain in Burma until your grand, until your mother, not your grandmother, until your mother decided now is the time to leave and we're getting out of Burma? My mother, who is always really very smart, 
As soon as it happened, she said, we can't stay here. We have to get out of here. So first, we wouldn't stay where we lived because we were on top of a oil depot. So we went 10 miles at least out of the city, hoping that that's a place we would be safe till we left. But as soon as we left and we went 10 miles away, my mom with my dad were deciding how they would get a passage on the boat for all of us to leave. And very soon, I think in a matter of a week, we left Burma. We sailed on the ship. Your whole family sailed on the ship? Because I know that many people went by foot. So how were you lucky enough to go by boat? My mom knew that if we don't go by boat, then we would be in trouble and have to trek. You know, to trek on the coastline in the mountains. And that's not an easy thing to do. So your parents were very smart and they went and they got a boat ticket right away. Nana, how long was the boat ride and did your whole family go together as a group? Uh, we went as a group. The whole family went together. And the boat tra- traveling from Burma, Rangoon to Calcutta, I think if I remember, is about three to four days that we re- reached Calcutta. So this boat that you got on, was this the last boat leaving Burma or was it the second to last boat? Second to last boat. A sad thing did happen that there was a kid who aged a naphtalene ball and while we were on the boat, he just turned yellow, completely yellow and he was sick. So the captain came and saw him and he didn't look like he would survive the journey. Did he survive? He died later on, and uh, we were to reach Calcutta in that one day in the evening, late in the evening, and the parents wanted to at least bury him, not in the sea, but to bury him as soon as they landed in Calcutta. But that was not to be because all the sharks were coming by the uh, boat, And the captain told the parents, you can see the sharks are already coming towards the boat because I'm sure they can smell the body that is overboard. That was a terrible time. So what happened? Did they make you, what happened to the kid? They made you throw the kid overboard? Yeah, they threw the kid overboard and I'm without a doubt, which they tried their best not to have the kids be around to see it. All the men stood in one way that no kid would come to notice it. Because as soon as the body was thrown over, you could you could see the, you know, the sharks and all. It was terrible. Nana, that is really, really, really terrible that this boy, they were you were a day away from docking the ship and they couldn't just wait. You really think that the sharks would have affected the boat so much that the boy could not have a proper burial? No, they showed, the captain showed the the parents that the the sharks were coming right to the boat because they could smell like either, I don't know what it is, how the sharks smell them, but they said he couldn't endanger all the other people's lives. Okay, so Nana, this boat you said was the second to last boat, right? Yeah. So I was just thinking, was there many people waiting for the boats? Because... If it was a second-to-last boat, were there very limited boats? And were there people left in Burma? 
that weren't able to get out? A lot of people were on the second last boat, the boat that we traveled on. Most of the Jews were on that ship, most of them. I don't know, but the Jewish population wasn't very much. You know, Burma's a small country, so we were there quite a bit of it. Well, thank God, Nana, that you got out and you got on that last ship. I can't believe, Nana, you actually did all this stuff. Like, I know you always told the stories when we were kids, but I never like knew that you actually had such a like crazy. It's not like it. You had like so many stories, just like what you guys did in in the war, like. War, when you grow up in a Jewish school, you learn about the Holocaust. You don't learn about the war. You learn that six million Jews died in the Holocaust. But the war also is crazy on families, too. You know, families that live through it, the ones that are affected. So it's cool. When I was in school, although I'm still still in school, but I had a class in college, and we had to write an essay on... um, on the effects of war, but not the people who are actually fighting, not the soldiers, the families, like the women and children. So, like, if I would have known the structure of your story, I would have used it. But I didn't, so I used someone else's. But if I would known yours, the structure of your story, I definitely would have. Definitely very interesting. More interesting than anything I read in the class. So, yeah, it was just pretty cool. And, Nana, this is why I'm excited to have you on my show, Hebrew Hits, and I'm interviewing you because, again, as Yaakov said... When people think of World War II, they think of the Holocaust. You went through the war. You had to survive. When Jews think of World War II, we think of the Holocaust. But there are like 15 million people that died in World War II. People don't know about those stories. People think, as I'm going to say again, and Yaakov said, the Holocaust. And this is why I'm happy to have you on my show, because we're able to share your story, how you had to flee Burma. You literally fled and you left your home. You left everything. You didn't take any money with you. You just left all your possessions to survive. And that's what the show is all about. It's about surviving, not falling victim to your challenges. And Nana, you actually survived. We all were grateful that our lives were spared when we went to Calcutta with nothing. We had to depend on the community there who helped us in the beginning to get by. So after you got off the ship and you got to Calcutta, did you start over? What was, li- what was life like in Calcutta? I was quite young at that time, and I don't know. Everything was topsy-turvy. You can imagine to go from one place to another place completely foreign. All, everything with the Indians were different, not that we didn't know the Indian way of life. We, we were, Burma was always friendly with India because it was under British control. But it's not the same, you know, to get out of your house and just go and jump into an empty pit, I would call it. Just when, as soon as the siren goes on, all we would do is go and jump in the pit. Nana, I just remembered that your mother's ring, right, went missing. And you told, you told me that when you were boarding the ship, it got stuck or something. Was this now when you were just leaving Burma to Calcutta on that boat that you just discussed? Is that where your mother lost her diamond ring? Well, because she was so nervous, I don't know what. She was wringing her hand at one time. And the, the ring we have fallen into the river onto the ocean 
And I remember I asked her, I said, what did you throw? She said, I didn't throw anything. Then she looked at her hands and she saw that the ring, her diamond ring was not there. That is so terrible. And did she ever find the ring? Did she like jump in to look for it or it was just lost? No way. It's in the ocean, you know, how, how low in the ocean you can go to get the ring. No. Yeah. My, my mom was a very special person because she was smart. She said, I can jump into the ocean and go look for it. But where on earth is it? It's no use. It's not worth. You have to make a kapara with that. And that's yeah. how she left it. So I want the people to understand that you had a home. You had food. You, your mother had a, her ring. You, had, you were living life. And at such a young age, you had to leave everything. And not only that, your mother gathered the few possessions that she was going to take with her. She left with nothing. And she had a ring on her finger. And even that she lost. It's just a very sad, it's a very, very sad time. It is. But we always said, my mom said, you know, life is what matters. The ring and gold and everything does not matter. So long as there's life, we have hope that we can one day buy a diamond ring. I love that. That's so nice, and that's, that's such an inspiration. And at that point, really, life is all that mattered. When the war was starting, it's like survival mode. That's all that matters. That is very true. You know, our only thought was get out. You know, whatever we didn't have, we didn't worry. Our food got burnt that thing to eat also was not for us. We were starving. And by the time we left, we had to hire a truck for all of us to fit in it and go out of the city so that in case of there's a second bombing coming, that at least we won't be there. We were living on top of a gas station. And that was not funny. When we left, I still look back and I see my uncle who didn't come with us who stayed behind, and he lit a candle or two, I don't know, like a 24-hour candle, so that by the time we reached Calcutta, we should make a safe journey and go. And when the candle lit and lasted for 24 to 25 hours, so he was happy, he said that, he surmised that we are safe in Calcutta. So what was life like did you start going to a new school did the war eventually come to calcutta and you had to escape calcutta as well what happened next in your story to find out more make sure to tune in to the next episode of hebrew hits thank you so much for being here with nana my mom yakov and i we're so so happy that you're here tuning into the story if you were touched by the story and enjoyed it, please make sure to share it with your friends and your family and make sure please to subscribe as well to Hebrew Hits Radio on YouTube and you can follow us for more information on our website, HebrewHitsRadio.com. And now here is a message from our sponsor. In all the challenges we face allow us to really reveal strengths within ourselves that we didn't know we had. They don't, in the moment, they don't always feel like the opportunity. Genius has the capacity to surprise you. There's a place where everybody needs to go out there on their own. You be you, I think, is the best way to live opportunity. Hey there, I'm Nasi. I'm a coach and also the host of the Living Opportunity Podcast. 
where we talk about just doing you, following your heart in order to live that life of meaning. Find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other major platforms. Life is an opportunity, an opportunity to enjoy and an opportunity to do you. Thank you so much for being here on Hebrew Hits. Make sure to go check out Living Opportunity on Instagram if you have any other questions regarding how to get in touch with Dasi from Living Opportunity. Reach out to me on LinkedIn at Molly Fivelson and stay tuned for next episode. It's going to be amazing. <laughs>